All right, everyone. Welcome again to our Church Ops 500 podcast. Of course, the name really focusing on our churches with 500 folks or less in attendance, really wanting to empower uh, the ability to do ministry at a high level and recognizing that operationally, man, there's a lot of times we just don't have what we need. So our goal every time we get on is how do I work with what I have to get more of what I need? So Van, I'm a pastor over at Every Nation Cincinnati Church. I've been here for a couple of years now, and I've got my team here that uh, has hopped on a couple of times. If you've been able to watch any of our podcasts, you'll see some familiar faces. Um, part of our Every Nation ministry, our, our family of churches across the globe. And we're jumping into some topics that I believe are always important when it comes to doing well within the church environment, the operational stuff, the unseen things that kind of hide under the surface that eat away at our effectiveness to do ministry well and often frustrate us because as we've said often, there is no school for church operations. There is no educational base. So our heart, our passion is to provide as much information as we can to help you feel empowered to make great decisions, make great choices. So we're going to jump in with our topic. Before we do that, though, I'm going to have our team briefly introduce themselves, what church they're coming from, and uh, how long they've been doing what they're doing. Yeah. Well, I'll start. Um, my name is Simone Felton. I work at Bethel Community Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and I am the executive administrator or assistant, kind of both. Uh, <laughs> I've been in this role for about two years now. Yes. Hi, I'm Charles Hayes. I'm a pastor at Orlando World Outreach Church in Orlando, Florida, and I've been in my role for nine years now. Yeah. So one of the things you'll immediately notice is in that you heard so many different titles. So we've we've given up the idea of trying to define our titles and just go, hey, if you are the person that gets asked about where the trash cans are, where the mop is, hey, how do we pay for this? Who does this job when you become the person on a Sunday morning where people go, hey, I don't know how to do this. Ask this person. This podcast is for you. you sit in that seat. You're the glue of your ministry. And we want to help you do that well. So our topic today is time thieves and time savers. Where are we seeing the silent thief? stealing our time, making it challenging to do ministry well. There are a lot of places this can happen. Uh, of course, we will not have time in our podcast to cover all of them, but we are going to hit on some that I believe are vitally important. And we're going to start with just a couple of questions for, for Simone and Pastor Charles, just to get us going into the overall conversation. So first question out of the gate, I would love for us to just take a minute to identify some of those time thieves. Where are some of the places within your ministry where you see time being eaten up unnecessarily and creating real challenges to do ministry well? Okay. Simone, I'll defer to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know one of the biggest ones that I've seen is confusion or a lack of clarity. So when we're in meetings or when we're planning an event or when we're talking about a Sunday coming up, when there's a lack of clarity, everybody thinks they know where the vision is or what the vision is and where we're going. But when there's a lack of clarity, everyone is on different pages. And so everyone is suggesting different things 
And it's not quite, I don't want to say it's not helpful, but it doesn't quite get us to where we want to go because Mm -hmm. no one knows where that is. So defining the goal of things, defining your mission and vision and values and keeping that at the center of discussions um, so that everyone is on the same page and everyone can be confident that they're working towards the same thing and not against each other. And another thing that goes off of that is rabbit holes in meetings. (laughs) It is the silent killer. Everyone loves it. It's always fun, but it goes on 15, 20, 30 minutes and another meeting has been formed. So I would say the two biggest time thieves is the lack of clarity and lack of structure in meetings. Come on. I love it. I love it. We definitely are going to get a chance in our follow-up question for you to kind of give strategies and ideas of how you've overcome that. Because even as I look at Pastor Charles, I think both of us are like, oh my goodness, we're at the table. This is the feast of just how many times those become issues. Read the clarity of the why, man, why are we doing this? And it seems so obvious yet. How many times do we find ourselves in a situation where no one asked that question? Where, where we didn't start with the why in mind. We just started doing. Mm-hmm. I often find that for a smaller church, especially if you were in a church plant mindset, the doing becomes so explosive and so in your face that you almost fall into a pattern of just, oh, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And all of a sudden we stop asking, well, why? Why are we doing this? And if we don't ask that why, we'll start spinning our wheels. And all of a sudden we're doing things that may have been beneficial in one season, that now, now longer are beneficial. They just simply scratch an itch to do, and it will limit our growth greatly. So I, I love it. The clarity and man meetings. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Another <laughs> place where I wish there was a class. Let's yeah. sit down and actually talk about how to have effective meetings. How many meetings we sit in that are highly ineffective. And man, probably me, a follow-up that I think would will be a challenging and convicting question is, man, how do we help our senior leaders keep those meetings on track? Because often we'd love to believe it's our folks that are on the lower echelon or the lower level of our context. But many times it is the very leaders we are trying to support that will hijack a meeting in a completely different direction. But again, coming back to that why and how do we empower, how do we strengthen our team? So I love it, Simone. Great. Great, great things I recognize. So Pastor Charles, come on, dig in. Yeah, that that's one of my favorite ones. But one that I have is actually emails. Emails is a major time thief. Come on. Um, if we're not careful, we will constantly interrupt our days to look at emails that may not necessarily have high priority. So mm-hmm. what I would recommend is setting aside Until you get comfortable doing this, maybe four times a day, be deliberate. I'm only going to check emails at these times. Hmm. And then that allows you to block out times where you actually have time to complete your work. Because I guarantee stopping looking, stopping looking, stopping looking. And depending on what you're working on, if it's an unpleasant task or a difficult task, you may temporarily jump to the other task just to find some relief. Come on. Emails is a major time thief. I had opportunity to speak with a very successful businessman in our church, and I asked him, how do you do it? 
and he said, emails limit your time to certain times of the day and train your staff. Hey, I check my emails at this time period. If it's urgent, feel free to come see me because you want to be accessible. But just miscellaneous emails, look at them at certain times of the day. I have found that that increases productivity times 10. Yeah. Times 10. So good. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I recently read this statistic um, and they talk about emails and how many times you should go back and forth in an email. Mm -hmm. And really one of the benchmarks is if your email prompts another email, you did it wrong. Yeah. And if you get to the place where you have gotten two interactions through email, you're now at a place where a 10 minute conversation would have saved you 30 minutes of emailing back and forth. Yes. So in a place where we went, man, email makes our lives more efficient. If it becomes a conversation through email, we've actually become less efficient. So I love that idea. And one thing that I would even say along with that is what are the type of things that get sent in an email and what are Mm -hmm. not? defining those things. I mean, we could definitely get to jump to that place, but yeah, Pastor Charles, any other things you recognize that are time thieves? Yeah. Another one is, as Simone said, people not being properly prepped. It's almost Mm -hmm. like, um, are you having the appropriate conversations up front? Are you sharpening the saw up front? If I have a well-prepared five minute meeting with someone sharing expectations, hearing the support that they need If I cover everything properly in that five minute meeting, I can send them on their way. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. We have to inspect to expect. So Mm -hmm. the follow up to that is create a shared document for them to follow up to let you know where they're at. If it's a long term project or if Mm -hmm. it's a short term, simple. This is where we're at. This is done. That eliminates the need for email. It eliminates the need for a call. It allows me to look at that document doing a downtime for me where I don't have to spend valuable time reading an email where someone's telling me, okay, this is done. Or if you're dealing with facilities, they're coming back next Tuesday. That's not high priority, less low priority, not urgent. So you create a vehicle where your staff can communicate with you those low priority, not urgent events, and you're still in the loop. So that helps also. It's all about having those meetings, making sure they understand their parameters, they understand um, what's expected, and then they understand when the project is due. If you send someone on their way with that, I guarantee you're going to eliminate a lot of back and forth conversation. Not only that, you improve improve, uh, employee morale, and you also teach them so now they know what to do next time, how to handle that situation. I love it. I love it. And I think one of the things I definitely want to uh, clarify for us as we talk, I think um, you've heard each of us say our staff, our team. And mm-hmm. what I want you to hear is, hey, hey, does anybody on this call have a staff of 20 people, 30 people? Is that what we're talking about? No. Here in Every Nation Cincinnati, we've got four full-time people and four, five part-time people. So we're talking mm-hmm. about staffs, less than 10 people. So mm-hmm. when we talk about this information, man, make sure you're not hearing it through the lens of, well, they've got all these people helping them. Right. Could not be further from the truth. Nope. Are working from a limited staff pool, from limited individuals with limited time. And often mm-hmm. we are working with individuals who are giving portions of their time 
and have mm-hmm. full-time jobs outside of the context right. of what we do in ministry. So right. when we talk about these things, it's not from a space of unlimited resources mm-hmm. and a, a staff of even 20s or 30s. Right. Um, yeah. We are talking about limited groups of people. So I wanted to clarify that as people are listening, and I, I definitely would chime in and I say I agree, Pastor Charles, with uh, for your list as well. And those become very challenging spaces. And if we aren't equipping our team members to mm-hmm. grow and to become better, I, I mean, that is 100% one of the biggest time thieves, because if we are constantly feeding them rather than teaching them to fish, that right. will be our job. We will spend more time feeding them mm-hmm. than actually getting the work done and really giving them evaluative tools on their end. And I think that's one of the biggest ones for me is, do you have a clear and efficient feedback loop? Are people able to hear what they've done well, what they haven't done well, and the ability to then come back and correct those things? And I'm not talking simply about staff. I'm talking about our lay leaders. I'm talking about volunteers within your church. Mm -hmm. If you do not have a clear system of feedback and improvement and engagement, both on the positive and the negative, you will create a space that causes a lot of challenges and problems. So I think efficient ways to share quickly, to share often, mm-hmm. and, and to share in a way that affirms but also challenges becomes very valuable. The really the only thing that we have, again, speaking to some of these staff, where you may be the only person on staff, one of the hardest things to do in church is to get your folks to do what you need them to do. Right. Man, if they're employed, yes, you've got a paycheck, you've got these other things, but I can promise you the paycheck isn't enough for you to dictate their entire life. Mm-hmm. I can promise you that. No one on this call can go, hey, I am being paid 100% of what I'm worth. But we recognize that because we choose right. to go our worth is valued somewhere else. It's not in the job. It's in what our God, our Lord, our Savior right. is on us. Yeah. So we're willing to do this work knowing that it's producing a kingdom income. It's producing a kingdom response. But yeah. with that, all we really have is influence. So often when we talk about the challenges of jobs and positions, I'll say this, and I will say it unapologetically, it's a lot easier to lead a corporate team of people that you are paying than it is a volunteer team, because I have your paycheck as a corporate member. I can say, I'm just going to rehire you, and someone else wants that job. We have influence, and if we aren't great at building that influence, it becomes very challenging to get anything done. And I say the other thing, the other big one for me is training our team Mm -hmm. on how to use time training ourselves on how to use time well. Uh, One of the things we talked about, for folks who don't know, we have a pre-meeting before we jump on. One of the things I mentioned for us is often we have a CEO schedule as someone in ministry. And what does that mean? Man, we get to dictate our hours. We get to dictate our schedule when we're working on what. There's not a whole lot of day-to-day oversight. But many times we come into the context with an entry-level position mindset. We don't understand what it is to manage a CEO schedule. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest time thieves for me is having a young person or a person who hasn't worked in the in the workforce joining my team and Mm -hmm. then not understanding the context of scheduling and how important it is to use their time wisely. And it becomes a challenge because now they become a frustration for me because they're constantly um, where is where are you? When is the last time you came into the office? Where are you now? Well, no, you don't get a two-hour lunch break. That's not how it works. 
No, you don't get to tailor your schedule to based on just simply what your family needs. You want to come in at 12 and leave at five. It's not how it's going to work and being right. able to manage those things. So I think those two pieces become huge. So yeah. we recognize those become real challenges. And of course, as I said, we've listed a few, <laughs> there are <laughs> more, but with the time we have left, I really want to jump to our, our second question, which I think if anyone has been listening, they're going, oh, okay, you're listening all these problems. Help me. I want to jump <laughs> to that space where we say, okay, the next question, how are we overcoming some of these challenges that we've listed? What are some of the systems, some of the philosophies, some of the things that we're putting into the flow of our team that are allowing us to overcome some of the things we've mentioned? Okay. Simone, you want me to go? <laughs> Defer to you. <laughs> okay. One of the things, Van, that I have found is a major, major time saver is proper planning. If you do not have time to properly plan, you will spend your time constantly putting out fires. Hmm. The reality is our schedules, although they are planned, as you know, there are interruptions that happen throughout today. So what's a priority on Tuesday morning is now not a priority because someone has asked you to do something, maybe senior leadership, and now you have a new priority. Come That's on, fine. Man. But if you haven't properly planned, you will constantly find yourself putting out fires. So what I recommend is one of the things that I do is on Friday afternoon, I list every single thing that I need to do the following week. Beautiful. I split it up during the course of the days. Yep. Now, does everything always get plant, uh, done on the day that I plan? No. But if it does not, I have a simple sheet of paper in front of me where I can transfer it to the next day and I don't forget it. Yep. And so you have to block out time to properly plan. You have a lot of things going on. You have a lot of people asking things from you and for you. So make sure you're taking time to plan. You say, I don't have time to plan. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And I would say, keep it right in front of you. Have everything ready when you leave work that evening. So when you come in the morning, you know exactly the first thing I'm going to do when I hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. Don't come to your desk, get your coffee and say, oh, okay, what do I have to do today? <laughs> By then, people are knocking on your door. The phone is ringing and emails are flowing. So if you, whatever you can do to give yourself a head start, I would recommend it. Invest time in planning, sharpen the saw before you start trying to cut down the tree. So good. So good. Yes. And amen. Yeah. How about you, Simone? What are some of those places? Um, my time saver is meeting focused and taking, not just taking notes, but taking good notes is important. When I first got to the job, um, I was like, I thought I was a transcriber and I typed every single word that was said <laughs> in every meeting that I was in, mm -hmm. went back to look at them. I couldn't even figure out when the topics changed. What did we say need to be done? Because I'm just seeing all of these small comments. And so one structure that, um, I've recently started doing with notes is, I have different sections, kind of like what Pastor Charles said, planning topics to talk about in every meeting. Mm -hmm. And then under that topic, have discussion. What are some points that were made? And then mm -hmm. at, under that, it's decisions. So what decision, mm -hmm. decisions were made regarding right. the topic? Yep. And then finally, 
I have a section to write out tasks. So what needs to happen next? Without that, there's a lot of conversation. There's a lot of ideas. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, what do we do next Mm -hmm. is left off on the table because one, the meeting is already an hour and a half longer than we expected because we had no set topics to talk about. And at that point, everyone's tired. So having that set note-taking structure has helped me filter through a meeting, filter through conversations, see the important topics, the highlighted things, and understand what needs to be done next. So good. So good. One of the most demoralizing things you can do to your team is to have meetings that don't produce anything. Yeah. You finish the meeting and you or you get to the end of the meeting and recognize I've got five minutes left and you just kind of scramble through the last little bit and then you leave the meeting and no one knows what they're supposed to be doing next. Uh, You will create a culture, whether you are talking about your staff or you're talking about your volunteers your lay leaders. You will create a culture of responsiveness rather than proactiveness. If I recognize that when I come to a meeting, I'm going to get a bunch of information that is mildly useful and we're not going to resolve anything. The efficient person says, I'm going to stop preparing for these meetings because they don't produce anything. So good. That's true. That clear why, that clear understanding is huge. Uh, And I think what I would add to that, and I think we've actually, Pastor Charles and Simone, you both alluded to this. So much of what we are requesting or requiring we have to ask, are we requesting and requiring that of ourselves? Mm-hmm. Are we leading, are we championing championing what it looks like to do this well? Yes. Uh, because if there's not a working model in our context, then how do our teams begin to learn and mirror these things? So I think for me, the biggest thing that you can do, which sometimes seems counterintuitive, is to not directly address the problem and ask, am I investing myself in a way that gives me the tools and the resources to address a wide array of challenges. So when we think about that meeting structure, how am I evaluating the effectiveness of that? Where are my tools? Where am I pulling from? For Mm -hmm. Pastor Charles, when we think about man, getting that time in to make sure on the back end of a week, I have, I've looked at the things I need to do for the coming week. These are all behaviors that didn't just pop into our heads as epiphanies. These are learned behaviors. We've become lifelong learners. So understanding those become huge. Three resources that I'll say are valuable to anyone in the context of this is, man, whether you are a book reader or not, where are the places where you are learning and grabbing new information? Man, none of these people are paying me uh, to do this, but I think knowing where some of these places are great starts. One one of the ones I would say for anyone who's doing this kind of work, getting Craig Rochelle's Leadership Podcast is a great resource. A lot of leadership conversations, time Mm -hmm. efficiency is there. Three books that I would immediately recommend, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen R. Covey. It's a great book that talks so much about management, not only of your schedule, but management of yourself. How do I learn me better so that I can become better at helping others. And then the final one um, would be uh, actually two other books, Death by Meeting, which is a book by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, It's a great book that helps you quantify what meetings are important, how to describe the why, how to get your senior leaders on board with it, which is another big challenge. And of course, the final book is Atomic Habits. 
Um, and that book is by James Clear. That's another book that's built a lot on knowing myself and building solid habits. Because if we, as the leaders of the teams, are able to model these things, we then gain influence, which is one of the most powerful things that we have. And it reaffirms the idea that we always start with is how do I take what I have now to be able to do more later? So thank you guys for joining me today. Thank you for spending time digging into this topic. For folks listening, man, I invite you to like, to subscribe to our podcast. We'll continue to release uh, new episodes, one a month. I'm not going to promise you a day or a time because guess what? We're in the operations world. So (laughs) I can't guarantee any of those things. But what I can say is at least once a month, we'll have new content for you to learn from, to grow from. So thank you for spending time with us. Enjoy your day. Do not allow the weight of what you do to overwhelm you. There is a kingdom reward and the work you do matters. Amen. Amen.